with prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak. I ask that you speak through me. Let it be your words and, and not my own. Father God, I welcome your presence here today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you move amongst us now. Jesus, we are in expectation of what you can do right here today. I thank you and I praise you. Thank you, Father God. It's in your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So Harvest Sunday. As I, when I found out I got to be the, I have the opportunity to get to be here uh, today. I thought, I, first of all, I thought about you farmers. I've uh, been praying for you guys a lot. Uh, you know, even though it's been a year, it's still a year to celebrate. Amen? Yes. The, the smallest way that I can see that God still provides in our, in our physical harvest is I have a pear tree. And even in a drought, we have pears. Okay? So that's nothing with the fields of corns and beans and everything else. But I know God provides. And that leads me to the spiritual harvest. And the spiritual harvest is something that we get to celebrate all year round. But we're going to talk about it today. This just happens to be the day, Harvest Sunday, that we're going to talk about it. And I hope everyone here is planning on sticking around afterwards. If you don't know, we're all going to go to the back side of the church, the east side of the church. And we got activities for kids and we got a bunch of food. And if you smell an amazing smell right now of pulled pork, anybody smell that when you came in? Yeah, because that's Mr. Shane Master's been cooking up some pulled pork for us, smoking it, and, and it's going to be good. So I hope everybody's planning on, <laughs> I hope everybody's planning on sticking around today. Even if you didn't bring anything, it's okay. Come hang out with us. Uh, we want you guys to stay here. So Harvest Sunday, I was thinking about, you know, the spiritual harvest and, and how we get to celebrate it all year round. And then I thought about what Jesus said. Now, there's a lot of talk about harvest in the Bible. If you didn't know that, just go, you know, use your uh, search button or, or just search up harvest. It's all over. But today, I want to focus in on what he said in Luke chapter 10, 1 through 3. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. Uh, I was telling Pastor Jim, I, my new study Bible is the ESV, but when I get excited and I talk real fast, I go back to my NIV, NIV version that I have memorized. And so... Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to be reading verses uh, 1 through 3 real quick. So Luke chapter 10. It says, Jesus sends out the 72 messengers... After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to, to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. That sounds exciting, right? I want to be one of those. But the next verse, the next verse, he says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So you, can you imagine hearing this for the first time? You've seen what Jesus can do. You're getting pumped up like, yeah, I'm going. That's going to be me. And then he, he drops that one. By the way, you're going to be like a lamb among wolves. I wonder, are they still excited? 
It says they went, so they were at least obedient. But I don't know, it doesn't really give us an account of how excited they were as they heard that. But I thought about it, the same now as was then that the Christian, you know, those were the first believers. They weren't even called Christians quite yet. They were the followers of Christ. There is no unemployment in the Christian realm. We have plenty of work to do. There's no need to be sitting around thinking, I think we've got it all taken care of. No need to be slacking. And then or now. I believe God has enough work for each one of us. And if you get into a lot of different things, you'll see that God gifted you, each one of you and myself, a certain way to do the work he's called us to do. So not only is he saying, I'm going to send you, but I'm going to equip you. And that's encouraging to me. I don't like to be unprepared. I don't like to be uh, feeling like I, I maybe haven't got it all together. It happens sometimes. But I don't like that feeling. And so it's good to know that if I focus on Jesus, he says, I'll equip you and I'm going to send you. But then he says, pray that others will come alongside and sometimes I just read over that part. I don't know why. I just kind of skim through it and I get to the part where they're, you know, casting out the demons and all this stuff. But I thought about that as we were talking about the harvest today. Jesus said to pray that others are going to come alongside you. And I might not have thought about this if I wasn't in this staff position, this pastor position at the church. I might not have thought about it. But what I'm seeing now, and this, you can figure it out for yourself or you can take my word. What I'm finding out now is you can't do it all on your own. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that because I came into this thinking I'm just going to do it all. And next thing I know, I'm tired. And so it makes sense to me whenever Jesus said, first, you need to pray that others are going to come alongside you and then you're going to go together. He never said we'd be alone. I find that encouraging. There's some good news in that. And as we keep digging in and keep studying, we see that it all begins with prayer and he will lead us to those important responsibilities. See, right now, when we get to talking about some of this stuff, and we're gonna dive into to kind of what they did and compare ourselves. But when we get to talking about that, some of it looks pretty big. It It does. But the more we come together, the more we pray for each other and build each other up and train the next generation, the easier it becomes because there is a value in numbers. And when we come together as one body that we're going to get to in a minute, as one body, we can do mighty things. But if we're out there trying to do it all on our own, and I'm guilty of that, the workers seem to be scattered. And maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys haven't seen that. But imagine what happens when the workers come together. How glorious that's going to be. We see it. We see a glimpse of it right here at Oakton. We see it all the time. But if you're a visitor today, maybe you haven't seen it. Or maybe you're you know, not as, as active as maybe you could be or once were. You can be a part of it. And it's exciting to me that you guys are here today. Because after today, I believe... I'm, I'm in full agreement that I believe that today is going to be a cha- game changer and some of us are going to come together and we're going to be bringing in that next generation. 
We're going to be bringing in those to come alongside because we're going to have it firsthand. We're going to see it. Turn with me to Matthew. This is a very similar account. Matthew chapter 9. And this is another time where Jesus is sending them out. But this time, he looks at the crowds. And I'm going to start reading in verse 36. I'm going to back up to 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. That's why I like that verse. Every. He didn't say the ones that, you know, were around. He's every disease and sickness. Amen. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think that we can look at today's world and figure out that there are sheep that need a shepherd. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers and to his harvest field. And, and that's all that that chapter. But if you know the original writings, they didn't have it broke down in chapter, chapter, and verse by verse. You know, later on, you know, we did that. So if you go right into chapter 10, he kind of gets into what that's going to look like. He referred to the people, first of all, that we are a field ripe for harvest. I believe that what he was talking about, and I think is same today, and if you get to talking to people, you're going to find out something. You're going to find that everybody, I don't care who it is, everybody is trying to fill a God-sized hole with something. We believers know that only God can fill a God-sized hole. But you go look at the world. Look at them. They're, they're trying. When I lived in the world, I tried. I tried to fill it with everything. But nothing ever filled it full. And nothing was permanent. And so you go look around, you go talk to people. There's a lot of people that are trying to fill that God-sized hole. And that tells me that those people need Jesus. And all we got to do is be the ones that invite them. They have to be the ones to respond. We have to do our part. And so I think there's a lot of people that if they knew what they were missing and they had the opportunity, they'd say, yes, I want that. I want that fulfillment. I want to feel that, that completeness. And then Jesus, once again, we see him pray, say, pray for the workers. You don't know this, but every one of you was already prayed for today. Every single one of you. Every single chair in this room and online has been prayed over. Because that's what Jesus called us to do. I hope you feel special. Because you are. Yes, sir. You're here. You're part of it. You have been prayed for, and now you're here to receive it. We're in a good spot. But here is where the huddle is. Here is where we, we come together and we grow. Then we go out. Then we get to go actually participate in what we're talking about doing. 
And so as I was thinking about this and I was picturing these first disciples and, and they're hearing it, they're hearing these instructions. And then once again, in, in, into chapter 10, but it's all kind of together. He called his 12. He said, I give you authority. 10.1 says over unclean spirits, cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Every disease. Imagine they're going, ooh, it's a big deal. That's a big deal. They've seen Jesus do it, right? They've seen it. They've experienced it. But now it's time to be doers of what they're hearing and being seen and shown what to do. Remember, this is before Jesus went to the cross. They haven't yet seen the resurrected Jesus yet. They've just seen the teacher, the rabbi, who they'd look at as the Messiah. But we know later that some doubts came, right? Did you know that he sent Judas out? That always gets me. Because if you look in there, it lists them all. And it says, and Judas who betrayed him. Do you know Judas healed people? It says Judas was one of them. It said, rose people from the dead. Chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus said to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you receive, freely give. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you knew he was going to betray you, but he's sinning. Can't say I understand all that. Maybe one of these days we'll all be sitting there. I think we're going to learn a lot when we get to heaven. <laughs> and maybe that's one of those things that we'll just be able to, it'll make sense. 10 verse 11 says, whatever town or village you enter, search there for someone worthy, worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. It wasn't just given to them. They had to actually search. You guys that have hours upon hours in a field, it takes work, right? I am nothing but a farm hand part-time, okay? So, yes, I've been in the tractor going 5.4 back and forth, back and forth, and I am the one who fell asleep a couple times, and as I was disking, I look back, I'm like, oop, got to correct that a little bit, and then I try to cover it up, you know, in case somebody's driving by and they realize how bad it was as I was disking the field. So I'm that farmhand. So I can't say I fully understand, but I got a glimpse it takes work. They had to go search. It wasn't just an open door. In fact, if you look at verse 16, once again we hear, I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Man. Sometimes I think I got the snake part and not the dove part. Sometimes my flesh comes out a little bit too much and you don't see much innocent as dove going on. But Jesus said that we are to be both. And if he didn't, it's possible, otherwise he wouldn't have said it. So we know it's possible. So as we're out there, as you guys and I, as we go out into this world that we kind of already know is a little messed up, some of us have lived in it, it says we are to be as shrewd as snakes, but as innocent as doves. 
that might be another one I'm learning in the process of, you know, and, and I think he'll show me as we go. Verse 20 of chapter 10, then we're going to move on, says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And so my question is, we dug into that just a little bit, and I didn't read all of chapter 10. You guys go read it for yourself. I wonder, would Oakton come alongside those disciples? Would Joe Costley say, uh, yeah, I want to go with them? I don't know. I want to say yes. I want to be all in, bold. That's my black and white personality. All in, no matter what. But also, I've been the guy that the Lord's told me to pray for somebody and I missed it. Man, that's hard. So I wonder, would Oakton Church, would we be excited about going out amongst the wolves? See, we are every day. It could be in your job. It could be in your family. It could be at school. We're there already. But do we look like the wolves? Are we representing Christ the Lamb? And that's something each one of us gets to decide. You're still breathing, so you have that opportunity in front of you. And so as I was looking at this, and as I was thinking of this, I'm thinking, this, this might be a little harsh. So once again, I say this a lot, but I, please hear my heart. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. So if you're feeling condemned today, it's not me, and I promise you it's not Jesus. But man, if that Holy Spirit, if he's prodding you, if he's saying, hey, listen up. I encourage everyone here, including this guy, let's listen to that Holy Spirit. Let's invite him in. Let's be able to hear his voice, even if it's a whisper. And then let's be obedient to follow. And that's what's great is that never once said, and they might have, remember he knew their thoughts all the time. He was always, you know, uh, answering their thoughts. He might have known that maybe it wasn't exciting. That's not the most glamorous thing to think about. But you know what? I bet they thought it was worth it, especially after they saw the dead raise. They saw the demons leave. They saw people with leprosy, as you guys know, was probably the worst thing at that time, worse than COVID even, and they healed them on the spot. Imagine that. That's exciting. Do you know the same Holy Spirit that was in them is in us? Nowhere in time does it say that stopped back then. Nowhere. And so if you're a believer today, Let the Holy Spirit work. Imagine what would happen if everybody who walked in this door, it says everyone, everybody who walked in those doors had no sickness because the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, not us, not the building, not Oakton, but the power of Jesus Christ healed them. Yes, I believe it's possible. I believe Oakton, the church body, is the church who could do that. There's many others. But why not us? Why not? 
I imagine some are thinking, and if this is you, I don't know this, but I imagine some are thinking, that's a lot. I don't really believe in that stuff. I can imagine that those first apostles who went out, see, we know the whole story. They hadn't quite seen it yet. Imagine what they were thinking, but yet they did it. And they were obedient and willing to do it. So the same instructions are for us now. And the first step I think that he said was in Luke 9.23. You guys can turn there. I'll tell it to you. Luke 9.23. Jesus says that if you want to be my disciple, you got to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And see, I think a lot of the times we, don't, we can't imagine healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out demons because we're not even disciples yet. We haven't even got step one of being a follower down. And so if you're struggling with that today, let's take care of it today. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's not wait for somebody who's a better preacher. Let's not wait for another time. Let's take care of it today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to be today, you'll have time at the altar. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already working on you. But as I was thinking about this and I was praying over this message, I thought, you know what? I need to ask more people because there might be people right in front of me that I talk to day in, day out that have never been asked, hey, would you want to be born again follower of Jesus Christ? And so if that's you today, I'm asking you. And so if that is you today, at the end of the service, I'm going to just fair warn, I'm talking about being bold and fearless and all this stuff. So I'm going to call you out if that's you, just fair warning. Nothing personal, but I'm going to tell you why. Because as we dig into this, I think first we got to be willing to die to self. We got to be willing to pick up our cross and we got to be willing to follow Jesus and then he's going to use us. And the reason I wonder if there's some in here today is because I prayed for you. And I know that the Holy Spirit knows you. God knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows where I'm at. Sometimes whenever some messages are a little harder, the temptation is to, you know, do a little self-reflecting and then go, hmm, maybe I do, maybe I don't want to talk about that. But I'm here to tell you, I looked and I examined. And I'm willing. And I'm praying for those in here and online that are also willing. Because it starts now. Tomorrow will be tomorrow, unless Jesus comes back. Yesterday is already gone. Today is the day. So as I, I've, I'm studying and I think about this, I thought about the, the theme that we had for last year for the youth and stocks and everything, and that was to be fearless. And I thought about how we're supposed to be like a snake, but innocent as a dove, I don't know a lot of snakes that would be considered cowards. Some run, especially when you're shooting at them, they run, you know. (laughs) But I've also had some of those that didn't run and they surprise you. They sneak up on you before you even, they see you before you see them. I used to be scared of them. Really scared of them, actually. But the Lord said, I remember, I was an adult, I was a born-again believer, 
And he said, why are you scared of a snake? You have authority over that snake. And you do. So if you were like me and you had a fear of snakes, guess what? Not anymore. That's not a word from the Lord. That's just Joe Costley speaking life into you, okay? (laughs) So we need to be praying for these future disciples that's going to come alongside us. And one thing I thought about is there may be somebody in here that thinks he's talking about everybody else but me. And I want to encourage you with something. We're going to read here in a minute where it says parts of the body. Every one of you is important. Every one of you has a role to play. Whether it's big or whether it's little, I want to encourage you with something. You might just be a thumbnail. Here's why I say that. I asked Heather if I ever told this story publicly. I know the youth have heard it. But if you don't know, I'm missing just about a thumbnail's length of my thumb. It was a horse accident. Bad deal. Lost it. Surgery didn't make it. Four hours of surgery, and they they came out and said, nope, you got a nub. But praise the Lord, you got something, because a paw would be a lot worse. And I'm here to tell you, a little about a half inch worth of a finger of a thumb matters. Especially when you're used to having it. There'd be times, you know, where we live on, uh, you know, highway. I'd be watching for cars coming and going, you know, when you get the mail, it's not always the safest. People fly down our road. And I'd be reaching over there, looking in the mirror, trying to get the mail. And it'd be just, I'd look over like, where's the mail at? I look over, my little thumb just wiggling. It can't reach it anymore. And so I got to use these fingers and get the mail out. Going through drive throughs was the worst. I was dropping pennies all the time and dollars. I used to act like nobody saw it. You know, Somebody came along and picked all my change up. Somebody hands me a big drink or something. I got to use two hands because I don't want it spilling on me. But a little about a half inch of a thumb matters. So if something is insignificant as about a half inch of my thumb stands out to me how much it mattered, every one of us, no matter what part of the body we are, matter. I just happen to be the guy that thinks about it all the time. I joke around about it because when in surgery they, they attach my tendons different, so I got this little like hatchet thumb now. They attached it differently. I learned a lot about how your tendons go all the way up. It's interesting. So in the youth group, I always ask them if they're understanding something, and, but every once in a while I get this look like, I don't, I don't think they get it. I go, big thumb or little thumb? And if they don't get it, they know to kind of give me a little half thumb, and then I know to kind of circle back. But we can have fun with it. I can have fun with it. I joke about it all the time. I can't count to 10, but I can count to nine and a half. Really good. Yeah. We can have fun with it. But every one of us, part of the body, is important. And I'm going to dig into it, and I know we're getting late on time, so, so hang with me. We don't eat till noon, so we're good. But I can function now. I can hold my cup now. 
But it took about six months to even turn a doorknob. It was embarrassing. I couldn't tie my shoes, so I just wore boots all the time. Or I put knots in the end of my shoestrings, just left them loose. I couldn't hold a cup. I couldn't hardly do much anything because I was so used to my mind having an extra half inch of my thumb. I remember we were building fence for these dumb horses that we got. And the same horses that did it. I still had to build the fence after I got them. And I was thinking, I cut, a, I cut the thumb off of a leather glove. It was all bandaged up and I put a paper bag over it. And I thought, I got to go build fence. It was humbling. And I had so much pride, I wouldn't ask somebody for help. So I was out there by myself, fumbling with two, hand, two fingers, trying to build fence. It wasn't good. I didn't do a very good job at all. In fact, we took it down later and built a better fence. But it took work. And the reason I bring that up to you today is I have a lot of fun joking around about my short thumb. That's fun. You guys can make fun of it. I make fun of it. But I bring it up today because of this. Every single one of us has a job to do. Every single one of us can come alongside and complement each other into the bigger things in the kingdom of the Lord. And every single one of us is going to take a little work to do it. Don't be naive. It's going to take some work. Can, Can supernatural happen? Yes, and I believe it will. But still, even whenever we're healed or supernatural happens, we still can go and grow in the Lord. And how we do that is by going to the word. We let the Holy Spirit work among us. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm gonna read this real quick. As I was thinking about cutting things short, I thought, no, we, we need to get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if an ear would say, because I have not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, let me say that again, every one of us, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are invincible. And the parts that think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Guess what? I'm pretty sure a half inch of my thumb nail counts as a lower part of my body because I'm still functioning. And it says, 
less honorable, we treat them with special honor. Why? And as parts of the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our pre- presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Here's why. Verse 25. So that, so that there should be no division in the body. I'm going to read it again. Verse 25. I'm going to repeat because that's good. Verse 25 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you are a part of it. Did I just describe Oakton? I don't know. You guys have to answer. You guys are Oakton. If that sounded far-fetched, then we got some work to do. If that was comforting, good job. I think we're somewhere in the middle. I think we can grow. I think we can do more. We are an awesome church. Not to get our heads big and not, you know, I know pride, all this stuff. But we do a lot of good things. You guys do a lot of good things. Oakton is an awesome church. But I think we could do more. I think we could do more. You know why? Because there is a whole world out there of wolves that are trying to fill this God-sized hole with everything but God. And they're right here in our communities. I, I, I promise you know them if you look. There might be some in here today. And if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Because the rest of us, we need this reminder. I think we need this reminder more than we recognize that we need this reminder. I think we need to realize that we're nothing without God. He has to be the head. We are the hands and feet and the thumbnails. By the way, if you're wondering, the thoughts don't go away. I'm clipping my fingernails and I still go to that one and go, oh yeah, <laughs> oops, forgot. <laughs> Keep going. I get asked all the time, do you get the, do you get the, the uh, yeah, the phantom pains? I said, no, but I get the phantom hangnails. You ever had a hangnail? Yeah, imagine one that's imaginary. I got to itch way up here to get it to go away. Yeah, a thumb or a hangnail that's not even there. You can't take care of it, Okay. So one of us in here is a thumbnail, and you're important. You are just as important as the heart, the eyes, the ears, whatever other part of the body. In fact, the lesser parts we want to lift up because we are equal. No Jew or Gentile, slave or free. We are equal as we look at this. So as we keep kind of self-reflecting, I think about uh, Oakton, I think about us. If that's us, if we're doing a good job, keep going. If not, then let's get to work. And then I like verse 27, it sums it all up. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Are we ready? Are we ready? Because here in just a few moments, we're about to go into the harvest field. I can keep going, or we can be done. 
Because it doesn't matter how long somebody up here stands, if our hearts are hardened and we're not doing it no matter what, then we might as well just sit down. I might as well sit down and we'll go eat. But if we're ready, if you are ready to go out there and be a worker that has been prayed for, then I say, let's do it today. Let's do it today. Let's not wait for tomorrow, not wait for a better season of life. None of that today. Because right now we get the opportunity. We are not promised that opportunity tomorrow. Today we get it. We get that opportunity. If you jump over to verse six or chapter 16, I got a few verses here because this is what we should look like. As we're getting ready to go, I think you are. I don't think anybody here is thinking, nope, I'm ignoring this one today. <laughs> I think you guys are ready. Let's look at how it should look. Take a look with me. Now remember, this is the same, Paul's writing this to the Corinthians for the first time, Church of Corinth, same letter here, okay? Chapter 16, verse 13, he says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. So I think we're ready to go, but we need to make sure we're in the right mindset. We need to make sure our hearts are right. Because as he is getting ready to send us out, and it very well might be on the east side of the building when we're doing our activities and, and, and eating. That's a good challenge. If you don't know somebody that's in this same room today, get to know somebody. We're one body. We should know people, especially if we go to church with them. Mr. Paul, I'm going to call you out because I remember when I was working at Andrew's Farm and Seed, I heard this voice in the front and I come out of my office and I go down to my office and I, I stick my hand out and I say, uh, hi, I'm, I'm Joe Costley. And he said, yeah, Paul Crabtree, we go to church together. I'm on the other side. <laughs> like, oh man. I haven't forgot that, Mr. Paul. He said, yeah, we go to church together. Just on the other side. No one needs that embarrassment here today. Nobody wants that embarrassment today. So if there's somebody you don't know, and we go and have some fellowship here in a minute, I challenge you guys, get to know people. If you weren't planning on staying, I hope you're planning on staying. We want you to stay. So in closing, if, if the praise team wants to come up, Remember how I told you I like to be prepared and I don't like to be embarrassed and all that stuff? Well, I was embarrassed that day, Paul. <laughs> I don't know if you remember or not, but I was about speechless. I was like, oh man, he got me. And obviously this was before I was on staff or anything like that. But I was like, man, there is somebody that knows me in the own church and I am introducing myself. We could do better. We can do better. So in closing, I have, uh, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Galatians 6, 7 through 9, and I want to I just to, to soak this in. It says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whatever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so as I speak that over you today, I hope that you are one that has been planting seeds of the Spirit. Because if you plant corn, you get what? Corn, thank you. If you plant beans, you get what? Beans. Watermelon. So if you plant seeds, we're talking about harvest here. If you plant seeds into the Spirit, the Word of God says that you're going to harvest or reap eternal life. But man, if we, if we, this is hard to read. If we sow to please our flesh, it says that we're only going to reap destruction. You want an example of that? Look in our world today. I got an example of that because I lived a long time without God in my BC days. And every time I thought I had it together, I kept messing up. And the only place it got me was farther down the pit. There's some here that know that. And so let today be a day that we change and we make a decision. We're going to start sowing into the Spirit. Decide today to be the disciple, to pick up our cross and to follow Him. Decide to say to be the one that prays for someone who's going to come alongside you in your ministry. And decide today to be the one who's going to lift them up and decide today to not lose this opportunity because it's here and we get to be a part of it. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence here. Lord, if there is anybody here, right here today, maybe online, but right here today, that you touched today, that you nudged them today, Holy Spirit. Father God, I ask that they are bold. I ask that they are fearless. And I ask that today is a reset, focused back on you, and nothing gets in the way. Thank you, Lord. We praise you right now. We praise you for everything you're doing. We praise you for every person that's in here right now. We praise you for the salvations that have been recent and the salvations that are yet to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. Please let us not miss it. Open our eyes, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.